Hello, happy Monday, May 8th. I hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. It's a pretty special night around the NHL tonight as it's the draft lottery. And yes, the Penguins are going to be part of it. No, they cannot get the number one overall pick, but they can get as high as the number four overall pick. I'm going to tell you all about that coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins Podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Enlarcer Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. So let's just jump right into it tonight. Draft lottery. It feels weird, right? The Penguins are actually a part of this right now. Um, they are projected to have the number 14 overall pick. <clears throat> Odds say that they are probably going to stay at that spot, though there is a 1.5% chance that they move up to the number four or number five overall pick. And that means a couple of things. Number one, social media would melt. Oh, all the conspiracy theories would be back. Remember how they were when they won the lottery for Sid, Gino, and all that way back when. And, and, and then now, yeah, you know, they, oh, they're favored by the refs in the playoffs and all that garbage. It would come back in a big way for this. Number two, the Penguins would have a chance to get a very, and I mean a very good player, if they somehow got the number four or number five overall pick. That is the only way I definitely do not trade their first round pick in this year's draft. And, you know, during this segment, I am going to touch on a few players that they could potentially take. I have some notes here. I'm going to Google Doc on my computer that I've been compiling about some of these top prospects. I will say right off the bat that these prospects I'm going to talk about are better than anyone that was taken in last year's draft. And I, I mean, I think that's been widely regarded by a lot of, you know, people from Elite Prospects, Bob McKenzie's list, the hockey writers, all that stuff. You know, I think all these guys I'm going to talk about are better than Slavkovsky, Shane Wright, everyone else that was picked in the top five last year. And obviously the Penguins, they wouldn't get Shane Wright. I mean, that's just, that's not going to happen. They're also not going to get um, Fantilli. I think he's going to go number two or number three overall. But they could have a shot at getting, and and, let me preface this, it's a 1.5% chance that they move up to the number four or number five overall pick. It's very likely not going to happen. But in the off chance it does, these are the players that I would very much consider drafting if I were the Penguins, and all these players could be really good for them in future years. Number one, Matvey Michkov. He is being described as the best player to come out of Russia since Alex Ovechkin. I'm not kidding, by the way. Like he he has a ton of talent. Great goal scorer. He's a little bit short. I believe he's only making sure I have my notes here. Um you know, 5'10, 148 pounds. So he, he does have to bulk up a little bit, but he puts up freakish numbers. Going if you want to go back to 2020 when he played in the Russia U16 league, he scored 70 goals and 109 points in 26 games. 26 games, 109 
points. You go to the next season when he played in the MHL for SKA uh, St. Petersburg. 35 goals, 52 points in 50 games. 35 goals in 50 freaking games. You go back to 2021-2022. Played same thing with the MHL. 22 goals, 38 points in 22 games. 22 goals in 22 games, a goal per game player. Played in the you know, Russia International, had some good production there. This past year, he is in the KHL, played for SKA Petersburg. He's only played three games, um, has no points um, right now. But, you know, he's played in the VHL, 14 points in 12 games, 20 points in 27 games for Sochi. You know, he is ridiculously good. But the thing with him, though, this might scare some teams away. And it would, I think it would maybe scare the Penguins away. He's under contract in the KHL, and he's not eligible to go to the NHL until 2025-2026. So in this hypothetical, if the Penguins were to take him, he would not be really eligible to play for the team until Evgeny Malkin is 40 years old and Sidney Crosby is 39 years old. You see where I'm getting at? It would be tough for them, I think, to take him because I think they would want someone on ELC that can contribute either this upcoming season or the next season. It's just, are the Penguins willing to wait for him? That's my biggest question. You know, and it's very hard for you know, some of these Russian prospects to get out of their contracts early. I know the Capitals just got lucky with um, Miro Shineko. Um, He signed his ELC. He's potentially going to be a player for them next season, but it's pretty rare. You know, he is a dynamic goal scorer. Again, he's a bit small. His defensive ability is not as good right now, but he can also work on that. But at the end of the day, he is a pure, you know, playmaker, a great goal scorer. He would be the best prospect this team has had in quite a long time. There is also Leo Carlson, who is going to be there, I think, at, you know, number four, number five overall. This past season played in the SHL and the Sweden Hockey League, played 44 games, 10 goals, 25 points in those 44 games. Also played in the international for Sweden's under 20 team, 15 games, 10 goals, 17 points in those games. You know, before that, he's played in the, you know, Orbro HK Junior 20 League. That was in 2020, 2021, 2022. Had 10 goals, 27 points in 14 games. You know, he's had pretty solid production. You know, he could potentially make the jump to the league as early as next season. He could use another year and he is under contract with his current team for one more year. But the thing is, Angel actually has a transfer agreement, which, you know, with the Swedish leagues, which allows, you know, a team could pay to buy this player out of his league so that he can sign an ELC. You know, great hands, really high hockey IQ, great skating ability. His defense is a little bit better than Mitchkov's. He would be a lot of fun to have on the Penguins. And, you know, he can play, you know, center, left wing, whichever, honestly, you know, it, it, I, you know, he, he would be a great fit um, <clears throat> for this team. And then another one that I have circled, Will Smith, another very, very strong player, all around offensive threat, play center for the U.S. national team's uh, development program, was very, very good this season, played 60 games, 51 goals, 127 points in 60 games, 127 points. That is just ridiculous numbers. And then played, you know, in the juniors this season, played 20 games, 15 goals, 42 points, played on the U18 for the World Junior Championships, seven games, nine goals, 20 points 
Last season played on the national under 18 team, had 27 points in 28 games. He is the real deal, though. He is already committed to playing at Boston College for next season. So I don't think the Penguins would get him right away. But, you know, I think maybe in another year or two after that, I think they could. Yeah, it would it would be shorter than someone like Michkov in Russia, who's under contract for um <clears throat> a few more years. But very good shot, good hands. Great playmaking, really strong skating. His defensive ability is also a bit better. You know, he's also very deceptive when the puck is on his stick. And again, he, like all the other prospects I have just discussed, he would be the Penguins' best prospect in this system by a mile. Probably will have been their best forward prospect since, what, Evgeny Malkin, to be honest, Sid. You know, you know because the Penguins really haven't been able to draft a lot of strong forward prospects during the center because they're all, they're always trading for them. You know, you look on this team right now, Jake Ensel, sure. You know, he was a mid round pick, but you know, this wasn't a top five pick and no one was expecting him to be as good as he, as he's been. So, you know, he, he would instantly become the best prospect in this system, you know, and again, he's already um, playing for Boston college next season with his teammate, um, Ryan Leonard. He, he also plays for the U S um, na- national development team. And I'll get to him now as well. You know, this year, 51 goals, 94 points in 57 games, 11 goals, 20 points in 17 games for juniors. Um, again, he'll be playing Boston College for next season. Also played on the U.S. National Under-17 team and the Under-18 team. Did play in the World Junior Championships, had five goals, six points in the six games. You also know what you're getting with him. Both would be really, really sound picks for the Penguins. So those, those are the players that I'm really looking at in terms of <clears> – <throat> who could be available at the number four, number five overall pick. Again, is it likely that the Penguins get this pick? No, but I wanted to go over some players who would be options for them if they do, because they would be set up to get a pure franchise type player toward the end of the contending window of Sidney Crosby, getting Malkin, Chris saying, and they could also get someone in here who could theoretically play on an ELC. So the Penguins can save some salary cap space that way. That's what I really wanted to get into for this segment. So, again, my draft scouting profiles, they're not the best. You know, I'm not Cam Robinson over here. I'm not Bob McKenzie. I'm not some of these guys from the elite prospects and the hockey writers. But, you know, I still like to dabble into it as much as I can and try to give you guys, you know, as good of a scouting scouting report as I can. If you want to read more in depth about these players and get even better scouting reports than me, and trust me, there are plenty more out there. You can go to any of those websites, elite prospects. You know, the daughter hockey is very good with theirs. Bob McKenzie's list, so much more. So, again, those are the ones that I'm really looking at in terms of the number four, number five overall pick. And, again, I would not trade that pick if they got it. I would only trade the pick if they stay at number 14, even number 13. You know, those, those middling picks, you just don't know what you're going to get from any of those players. I would very much look to trade that pick and I wouldn't just dump it for the sake of dumping it. That's just not what I'm a a, a part of here. I would look to, you know, shop it for someone who can make an impact at at the NHL level, whether it's a forward to maybe replace Jason Zucker if he walks, whether it's a defenseman to play with Chris Tang or Jeff Petrie, or whether it's to get a goaltender like Jeremy Swayman, Connor Hellbuck, UC Soros, something like that, someone who can make a true difference for this team. I don't want to do something like Lula Morello did this past offseason where he traded the number 13th overall pick for Alexander Romanov. 
I mean, no disrespect to Alexander Romanov. I think he's a fine player. Is he worth trading a top 15 pick for? No, because he's. I don't think he's a top pairing guy or even a second pairing guy. That's just my opinion, though. So I just wouldn't do it for something like that. And I and especially wouldn't do what Jim Rutherford did when he traded that late first round pick for Ryan Reeves. That was just very clueless, <clears throat> in my opinion. So draft lottery tonight, 8 p.m. Twitter roll out if the Penguins move up. Uh, nine or 10 spots. Remember, Penguins can only move up to number four, um, a team in their position. You can only move up 10 draft spots, not move up any more than that. So the only team outside the top 10 that has a shot at getting the number one overall pick is the team that has the number 11, or that has the has projected odds to be the number 11 overall pick right now. So that does it for this first segment, getting into the draft lottery. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to continue our season reviews and yes, we are going to discuss Mikhail Granlin because he played on the third line before we get to our fourth liners like Josh Archibald and Ryan Paling. I'm not going to do some of the other guys like Nick Benino because he only played one game or Dmitry Kulokov because he didn't really play much either. But uh, Nylander did play over 20 games, so I think that's worthy of a small season review. So that's coming up um, after this commercial break. But before we, di- we dig into that, we do have to discuss... Indeed, there's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you match candidates. And with Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data. So even better, Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. And it's an unbelievably powerful hiring platform, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talentness in 2019. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash locked on. Remember, that's Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Lorso Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. So continue our season reviews today. Another one of the third liners, Mikhail Grambling, came over during the trade deadline, right before the trade deadline, I should say, for a second-round pick. That was Ron Hextall's last of many blunders with the organization. Played 21 games for the Penguins this season um, in 242 minutes at 5-on-5. When he was on the ice, the Penguins had 51% of the shot attempts. They had 53% of the actual goals for. Expected goal share of 57.9%. Also, 60% of the scoring chances. 57% of the high danger chances, only 37% of the high danger goals so were. So funny enough, his underlings are pretty good. <laughs> that That's the thing that's saving grace a little bit. But, when, but then when you look at his counting stats, one goal in those 21 games, a garbage time goal, I may add, it was brutal. He never really fit in here. And again, I'm saying this as someone who loves digging into the numbers I love going on natural stat trick to see if, you know, I know the numbers back up my claims. And this is honestly a rare situation where the numbers, they go against what I saw a little bit because I saw someone who was really not engaged, especially on the four check. 
someone who, you know, he was lauded for his passing ability. I never really saw it that much. His defensive impact is obviously not good. If you go to Jay Fresh's um, player stat card, he ranks in the one or two percentile in terms of even strength defense, which is horrendous. His shot was not there. He didn't really do much of anything. He was just kind of there in a way. And, you know, I don't I don't know why Ron Hextall thought it was a good idea to acquire him. You know, I mean, we saw Josh Yowie report on Twitter that it was Chris Pryor that actually, you know, told him to go out and get Granlund. The Penguins are going to have no choice, I think, in this matter when it comes to getting his contract off this team. People will say, well, Hunter, you can pay a first-round pick to get out of that contract. Why would you want to pay a first-round pick to get out of that contract when you can trade that pick for someone who can actually help you, whether it's a younger player, forward defense, or a goaltender. I'm not paying a first-round pick to do that. Buyouts stink. I understand that. But I think the Penguins really have no choice in the matter here when it comes to buying them out because they will be saving $4 million against the salary cap for this next season. That's very, very good. And I mean very good. And of course, as I'm recording this, 17, 18 minutes in, my dogs decided to go crazy downstairs because I am sure they are seeing someone walk by with a dog. They cannot stand that at all. But again, four million salary cap space, that gets you a third line center, maybe, another top four defenseman, maybe a new goaltender. That's what you got to be building towards when it comes to the team next season. That money is huge for this team. And he just can't be on this team next season, Gramlin, that is. I, I also don't think he even fits Mike Sullivan's system. And that and that comes back to another point that I've been thinking about or something, something that I've been thinking about. Did Ron Hextall and Chris Pryor even consult Mike Sullivan on that trade? Serious question. Did they even consult him? Because when I when I look at Sullivan's system, and you know, it really when it when it comes down to it, he wants people who forecheck aggressively, who shoot the puck at a decent rate, you, you work at low to high. I don't think Granlin does any of that. And again, he was lauded as this great passer. I never saw it except maybe in that first game against the Lightning. He just didn't do enough during his tenure here, and you know. Didn't even crack 10 points in those 20 games. Wasn't even a half a point per game player. A buyout, again, they stink. You have to pay, you have to pay this player $4 million for the next, not $4 million, excuse me. You have to pay this player for the next four years, not $4 million, God forbid. But I think it's something you have to do. And even after this year, you get $3 million in cap space for the next season. And after that, you get about... I believe it's one point something million for a cap space. It's a little low. You the cap of this year is low, below a million. It jumps up to one point eight for the final two years, but it's something that you have to live with. And I think this is an easy slam dunk, in my opinion. You know, overall tenure, I'll give Grandland. Yeah, I, I probably get. It's hard for me to give him an F because I'm going to have no choice to because he wasn't good. I'm mainly going to give Hexton Chris Pryor enough for this because there was no reason to even trade for him. I would have rather they traded for JT Miller and be stuck with that contract than trading for Granlin, who just was never a fit. 
And I understand that he was probably under a lot of pressure to make this deal because the Penguins were in a massive fight for their lives trying to get into the playoffs. But you just cannot make that deal. Especially when there are two years left on it at $5 million. He didn't even ask Nashville to retain salary. What was he doing? Just total cluelessness from this front office. So that wraps up this segment going into my Kyle Grandland season review. Later on this week, we're going to get, get into the fourth line with Josh Archibald, Ryan Paling. <clears throat> we'll get into some of those other players who played here. Then before we get into the defensemen with their season reviews. Coming up to end the show, we're going to get into the playoff action from Sunday and why <clears throat> Kyle Dubas might be getting a call from Fenway Sports Group later this week and why he does and doesn't make sense in a way for this GM job here in Pittsburgh. But before we get into that, if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever, and that's built. You have to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you won't think they're good for you. You have to try this. And what makes them so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and that's right. Real chocolate, and they come in great flavors like churro, peanut butter bounty, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how they do it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at Walmart or Sam's Club and still get your other specialty flavors. You can go up, pick a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff, and if you're close to the same club, you can go there as well. You can thank me later when it comes to that. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Ellenshire Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. So let's jump into this final segment for the show, and that's the playoff recap from Sunday. You know, two really crappy games. The Devils absolutely take the Hurricanes to the woodshed. They are now down two games to one. The Devils always decide to play their best hockey when they're down 0-2. I don't know what it is, but they kicked a lot of butt in that game on Sunday afternoon. Luke Hughes made his debut, had a couple points. Jack Hughes, five-point day for him. He was electric. The Hurricanes, it's funny, they scored three shorthanded goals Usually when you allow three shorthanded goals, you should lose. But that's what happens when Jack Hughes goes off for five points and the Devils score seven total goals. Really nice game from them. VJ Panchuk played well. And then the Maple Leafs, they go down 3 nothing to the Florida Panthers. And all of that good vibes from the first round. You win your first series in 19 years. Basically just a giant wet fart noise. As Don Machusco of the Athletic said on Twitter last night, 19 years for this, LOL. Yup, you waited 19 years to beat the to beat the Lightning, and now you're down 3-0, and you're trying to become only the fifth team in NHL history to come back from a three nothing deficit. The last team that did it, remember, Flyers came back to beat the Bruins over a decade ago. Hmm. Yep, the last team to overcome that was the Flyers. 
And the Flyers were down 3-0 in that game seven. They came back to win it. There's nothing in the series. Going into game seven, the Bruins went up 3-0. They blew that too. <laughs> yep. I seem to do it. Before that, only three other teams have done it. It's just crazy to think about. But, you know, you we all know the Kyle Dubas rumors are about to start up. I think he would obviously be a fine hire here. He has shown an ability to build winning teams in Toronto. The, the one thing that scares me, though, the goaltending. Because it's funny. You look at, you know, the teams that he's helped build. And obviously he didn't, you know, he, he was there, you know, when you know they drafted Matthews and, and they got Marner and Nylander and they signed John Tavares. But, you know, he orchestrated the trade for Ryan O'Reilly or, you know, they have Morgan Riley in the system. Honestly, again, they orchestrated the trade for O'Reilly. I know I just repeat myself, but bear with me here. They got Mark Giordano via trade. But the goaltending, I'll Alex Kerfoot, they got, they got him in a trade. The goaltending, though, he went into this season with Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray as his two starting goaltenders. That's a little bit of a red flag for me, people. Right now, Samsonov is hurt. Matt Murray, he says he's healthy enough to play, but if Samsonov is not able to start game four, I think they're going to go with Joseph Wool, who's their third string goalie. And, you know, I compared him to Louis Domingue last night. I apologize for that because he he has much better numbers than Domingue. He's their third stringer, but I don't know how long it's, it's going to stay that way. But it, it was just a very risky proposition, and you're seeing why it was risky right now, even though they won around. You know, Samsonov, you know, he's been banged up in his career. He's also been, been inconsistent. He's been pretty decent in these playoffs, though, but he had to stay healthy. Right now, he's not. I don't know if he's going to play on Wednesday. Matt Murray, he was the third-string goalie. He had to go down to back up last night. He says he's healthy, but I don't know if he's going to play. He's been hurt, you know, for much of the season. It's it's tough. You know, that's, that's the one thing I would be concerned about if Dubas was the higher here would be the goaltending. You know, would he be able – to bring in someone, you know, that's better than Tristan Jari? And would he be able to really just overhaul the position that I think I think it truly needs? You know, I saw someone say yesterday on Twitter that he would maybe want to bring in his own coach. <clears throat> I disagree with that because I think that the family sports group thinks so highly of Mike Sullivan that he's going to stay no matter what. Could Dubas want to bring in his own guy at some point? Yes, but I think... I think Dubas and Sully would get around along just fine. But again, there are also pros. He's shown ability to, to build a Stanley Cup contending team year after year. He has the core in place. He's gotten them some good help in Giordano and some of those other players that I mentioned. You can say that some of his depth moves have been a bit weird at times, like, you know, trading for Sam Lafferty, you know, you know, signing Aston Reese, I thought was not bad. You know, but I mean, David Camp is is pretty decent. He had a good game uh, um, for Game Three, and of course, my dogs at the end of the show can want to start barking again. But he has shown a history of some solid depth signings as the Maple Leafs manager, and he's usually built pretty two of some decent defensive groups as well. Remember, he orchestrated the trade for Jake Muzzin at a trade deadline a few years ago from LA. No, when he goes after players. They are usually good and have strong analytics. But again, that doesn't mean that he's prone to always going after this type of players. He did sign Wayne Simmons after all for this season, someone who I think is cooked at this point 
in his career. He has no problem going after that sort of sandpaper. Remember, um, Zach Bogosian, I believe, was also there for a time. So, you know, he's he's definitely gone after some players who are not super good. He did trade Rasmus Sandin to Washington for Eric Gustafson. That was a weird move. I would have just kept Sandin because I think he's the better player. So there are still some misses with him, but I do think there are more hits overall compared to misses, and he would be an upgrade over Ron Hextall. And at the end of the day, that's probably good enough for me. Again, not my top choice, but I understand why the Fenway Sports Group would go after him because of their, their use of analytics and someone who has had success. I understand some of the fan base is not going to be on board with it because he's only won one playoff series since getting the full-time gig. But he has shown the ability to build those winning teams. And I don't think it's truly his fault. You know, how long is it? Is? I don't think it's truly his fault that his teams have come up short. You have to put some blame for the people on the ice. I also will say he does not have the full final say on matters. That, my friends, is Brandon Shanahan. And I think that's another reason why this could be enticing to him because the Fenway Sports Group could offer him total control of the hockey operations department. So that's something I think could really entice him um, once he becomes a free agent. Assuming the Leafs do lose this week, and I think they will now that they're down 3-0, I think within five or ten minutes, the Fenway Sports Group will call and ask to interview him because he's a free agent. They won't have to go ask permission or anything like that. But that does it for this episode. Well, I will want to say Seattle, they go up two games to one on Dallas. The Kraken just continue to kick so much, but they have, I believe the number is 16 different goal scorers in the playoffs now. 16. Like, what? <laughs> Shouldn't even be possible. That just goes to show how deep they are. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for listening slash watching. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday. We'll get to see how the draft lottery the draft lottery results are, how tonight's game is between the um, Knights and the Oilers. And we'll talk um, a whole bunch of other things relating to the Penguins as well. So thank you all so much for listening and watching. Really appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday.